It's an unfortunate fact that the elderly are taken advantage of every day. While the laws are complicated and constantly changing, the wisest and safest way to keep track of them all is to call elder law attorney Michael Cohen. Having devoted his career to informing and protecting the elderly, Michael communicates about the law in ways that you and your loved ones will surely understand. Join us now to know your legal rights with Michael Cohen and co-host Don Crawford Jr. Here's Michael and Don. Welcome once again to another Estate Planning Essentials program, interminably committed to protecting your family, your assets, and you. And I'm essentially virtually sitting, kind of, on the phone with Dallas Elder Law Attorney Michael Cohen. Hello, Michael. Hello, Don. How are you doing? And happy holidays to you. Same to you. Happy Hanukkah. Merry Christmas. Happy New Year. Uh, The other ones I forgot. I hope not. um, But I hope you're blessed. I know that we are on this call, and um, I'm glad you're healthy and safe. Uh, I am, too. And uh, I'm really happy, Michael, that uh, 2020 is almost over. Yeah, it's been a year to – I, I guess we never forget, but we like to forget. <laughs> right. I think it's the year the, – the word of the year is pandemic. I think some major publication came up with it, and it certainly makes sense. Uh, masks could easily be a word, too, that I think people – um, seem to be very familiar with these days, but um, I think it's also health, and I'm glad that you're healthy. Jennifer, our producer, is healthy. I am, thank God. So um, that allows us to do this program, although it's over the phone, but nine months later, I know it's going well, and people are responding and attending your workshops. And uh, so I don't forget, I want to mention everyone, Michael's next virtual workshop, which is online via a Zoom call, click, click, and you're there. It's Thursday. December the 17th at 1 o'clock. So once you listen to this part of this program, we'll tell you more about the workshop and why you should attend the next one from the comforts of your own home or office, um, wherever you want to have the, uh, the workshop because it's online, meaning via Zoom. But today, Michael Cohen, he wants to speak with you and speak to me about gifting. And with the end of the year coming, uh, there are a lot of rules and, and things to consider as to why you should maybe Make some donations before December 31st, Michael. Usually, I don't know about everybody else, but a lot of times when I do, like, for example, charitable giving, we always do it toward the end of the year. I mean, you always make gifts through the year, too. Sure. But, uh, but uh, a lot of times on your larger contributions, at least for us, we do it at the end of the year. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so I thought, because this year has been different, uh, well, you mentioned the pandemic, uh, there are special rules because of the pandemic. Uh, charities were obviously going to be hurting this year uh, because people obviously, unfortunately, either have lost jobs or they have reduced salaries. And so the government wanted to encourage gifts to charity. So under the CARES Act, there was some special rules implemented this year. And and so I thought we would go over a few of those things as well as what the gifting laws might be federally, as well as what some issues might be uh, some of the problems with regarding gifting, if uh, uh, if you were try to try to make a transfer, it could create some issues for you uh, at later dates uh, if you should apply for public benefits. So I thought we'd kind of talk about those things. So first okay. thing is on what the CARES Act is. Because the pandemic, 
What can you give? Well, it depends uh, on whether you itemize or not. So, you know, a few years ago when uh, President Trump changed the ta- had was in charge of changing the tax laws, uh, there, most people didn't get to have the charitable contribution deductions unless they itemized uh, in the past. Uh, but now, if you give this year, in addition to the standard deduction, uh, you could give up to $300 for this year only uh, to have as a, a deduction uh, in addition to the standard deduction. So, uh, unless you made the contribution to a donor advised funds mm-hmm. that would not qualify so if you gave it to a you know some sort of a uh, charity that um, then then you might be able to take up uh, up to three hundred dollars if even if you do not itemize now if you do itemize then this year only you could get up to a hundred percent of adjusted gross income and hmm. and so you can give away just all your income basically and and have a, a deduction uh for giving to charity now it, it usually uh, it had been 60% of adjusted gross income uh if for those who itemized but hmm. this year again because of the pandemic they wanted to encourage make gifts to charity if you go over that you could you could actually carry forward uh the um the excess even so charitable contributions, if you're going to make a charitable contribution, uh, it may be that if for some people who do itemize, and I'm not considering myself an accountant, I should tell you that, Mm -hmm. uh, but if you do itemize, then it could be that you consider doubling up in 2020 to take advantage of the fact that you could get an unlimited uh, amount of uh, contributions uh, this year, where this is not normally the case. Okay. Now, I don't know what your what somebody gives, and so it may not make any difference. But right. it really depends on the situation. Now, some of these other things are, are are ways to make gifts that people have done prior to the CARES Act, and when you do make gifts, on how you make the gifts. So, let's say that you had um, uh, Google stock that you bought for a hundred dollars a share. And now it's worth $250 a share. Um, And it's opposed to selling the stock and having a capital gains tax and then giving to a charity. If you gave the amount that you wanted to give directly, the stock directly to the charity, uh, you get the charitable deduction uh, if you're, especially if you're itemizing. and you don't pay the capital gains tax on the appreciation, so that you gave the value of that two fifty uh you get the charitable contribution deduction for the value as to what you gave it at, and you never paid that capital gains tax on the appreciation. Got it Another thing that way that sometimes people uh have made gifts in the past uh, was going if if now this is only if you have reached the um, minimum required, the required the age for required minimum distributions for IRAs. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, as we talked about on prior shows, the uh, the age for uh, to has changed, but not for this purpose. Uh, to make required minimum distributions, of course, when you contribute to an IRA, the whole idea that the government wanted you to save for retirement. Uh, and so they defer the taxation until you 
uh, reach that age where it's required that you make a minimum distribution. We talked about this, I think, uh, on last week's show, a little bit about it. Uh, once you start taking out, then you get income taxed. Uh, under the SECURE Act, by the way, uh, for those people who were not 70 and a half before January 1st, 2020, they don't have to make uh, contra- uh, make required minimum distributions until age 72. Okay. Well, uh, in if if you are um, so, what some people did, let's say that you had to make a required minimum distribution. Of course, in this year, another one of the things that because of the pandemic that's different is you do not have to make withdrawals from your IRA this year. So even Hmm. if you're 70 and a half, you do not have to make a withdrawal as a result of the pandemic. We talked also last week, I think, that you could take out, uh, even if you're normally, if you're uh, under 59 and a half, if you take out too soon, then you get... um, penalized as 10% excise uh, tax. However, this year, if you had somebody that had COVID or you lost your job as a result of COVID, then they allow you to take out without the penalty. However, you would be income taxed on whatever it is that you took out. Oh, wow. Uh, Yeah. And, and, and of course, there's even a worse tax uh, if you were, let's say you were over 70 and a half in uh, and normally, when you take out, uh, then uh, if you didn't take out, you get even a 50% tax. So let's say you didn't take out to your 75 years of age, and you're supposed to take it out when you're 70 and a half, you have a big old penalty for mm-hmm. t- aiding on taking it out. Well, okay. the, the idea is you they, the government's supposed to get paid their tax dollars, uh, but they don't have to start getting it until you are the required minimum distribution age. Okay. Now, some people don't need the the income from the IRA because when they so let's say you're 71 years age of age and you normally take out your required minimum distribution. Well, when you take it out, what happens? You get income tax. But let's say you don't need the money, uh, and um, so you what people have done, maybe not necessarily this year because you don't have to make a withdrawal this year, is in other years, if you have a if you are seventy and a half, then you could have the distribution made, a qualified charitable distribution directly from the IRA whoever holds the IRA to the charity. And if you do that, although you won't get a charitable deduction, but you will not have to pay the income tax. You won't have to pay the income tax. Normally, when you take out of an IRA, it was tax-deferred. It had tax-deferred growth. But when you take out of the IRA, you get income tax. Mm-hmm. Remember, now this year, you don't have to take out. So this becomes a little bit less palatable this year. Uh, but if but it could be that some people would prefer to do that because they might be concerned that the income tax rate might be increased. Right. As we talked about, uh, I think it was on last week's show, we said that the president-elect had proposed a higher income tax rate uh, for those who make more than $400,000 a year mm-hmm. from 37% to 39.6%. So if they wanted to uh, take out, because th- so some people may want to take out, uh, and if they did it, if they want to say just did it directly to the charity, just because they're concerned about a higher income tax rate at a later date. Uh, so some people might want to do that. By the way, there is a limit 
going from transferring directly from the IRA to the charity, and that's 100000 a year. Most okay. people won't have that problem, or, right. uh, if you call mm-hmm. it a problem. Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, uh, in any event, those are a few different tax tips uh, and things that, that make this year different than in uh, prior years. Not that the IRA rule is different as far as direct distributions, uh, nor is the uh, gift of appreciated assets a an issue that has changed. Uh, but the fact that uh, you do uh, that you can get um, uh, the deductions of uh, $300 even if you don't itemize or if you do itemize up to 100% of adjusted gross income uh, are something different. So if you are making a charitable contribution, this may be the year uh, for you, or you might have, a, at least even if you have the standard deduction, uh, you might be able to take a, advantage of that um, $300 uh, above-the-line deduction. What about, um, if you maybe you're going to get to this, but specifically, there are a lot of uh, listeners to this program now who are highly interested in the Georgia runoffs, which are would be a political donation. How does that work? Yeah, I don't think that I don't know that the and again I'm not an accountant I don't know that that's mm-hmm. considered a, a a charitable gift right uh, but so I don't uh, think of that as uh, uh, that you get a write off for that I think with, with some you do and some you don't but I don't think by giving to the candidates um, that it, that you would get the write off necessarily but if you give it to organizations that oh, well I'm sure there are certain there might be certain things, and I, I, that is that. Again, I'm not an accountant, so I'm not really sure about it. Uh, if there, you would think it. I, I don't know the answer to that question, mm-hmm. okay. um, so I just don't know. Good, I stumped you for the first time in six years. This is wonderful. Yeah. I'm excited. <laughs> I'll get yeah, inside. If, if you make if you can make gifts to uh, another thing that people aren't aware of is about the amount of gifts that you can give to different individuals, mm-hmm. uh, and that's because they always think, oh. Uh, is it ten thousand a year or whatever? Right. It's fifteen thousand dollars a year without reporting to the IRS. Got it. Okay, very good to know. What's also good to know is you're going to give our listeners another opportunity uh, to ask questions at your next workshop, which, as I said at the beginning of the program, is Thursday, December the seventeenth at one o'clock. Uh, Michael's been doing these workshops for years and years. And um, they're extremely beneficial for people. And now we're getting close to the end of the year. We have a new administration. The Senate may um, flip hands and become Democratic, depending upon what happens in that Georgia election on January the 5th. So you have to really prepare and you plan. And that's why Michael specializes in estate planning and to a degree financial planning, although when he doesn't know what he's incurred, he doesn't know. And that's when you have to ask your financial planner or your accountant. But in the meantime, though, you really should just take an hour or two and sit in on his next workshop. And, Michael, tell everybody what goes on there. Well, we ask people what they want to know. Um, you know, what is it you want to know? Is it something about estate planning? Is it something about Medicaid? Is it something about veterans' benefits? Is it something about, um, you know, paying for the cost of care? Is it something about... Uh, tax laws that it may be uh, that could be affecting you. That uh, we've kind of talked a little bit today about uh, the. Although that's really not, you know, I'm not an accountant. Really, most people want to know about, you know, wills or trusts or powers of attorney, things like that. And so we ask people, what is it that you want to know? Mm-hmm. And 
was and every workshop's different because you never know what questions that people are going to ask. Mm-hmm. And so we say, what do you want to know? And then for two hours, we go over um, those different questions that people ask, and you'll learn something that somebody else, um, uh, whatever they may uh, have or ha- what questions they may ask may affect you and you just didn't even realize it and mm-hmm. you're going to learn something and mm-hmm. uh, a- after you've you know you not only get to hear all those different questions of somebody else and you learn something if you do go to that free two-hour estate planning essentials workshop then you also get the opportunity without the obligation to have a free one-on-one uh, vision meeting uh, where we can look at your individual situation as it Especially as it comes toward the end of the year, a lot of times people want to reassess and and see if they've covered and taken care of their family, as you said at the beginning, to take make sure that they're in case if you're either you know not only what happens when you die, but if you become disabled, um, what happens? How have you protected your family? Have you uh, protected in case uh, uh, either tax laws change or perhaps if. Um, uh, you know, you have a child that has a marital problem or you want to keep things in the family or somebody becomes disabled or somebody's a spendthrift or a drug addict or uh, it could be any number of types of things or somebody's a minor or somebody, you know, if you're concerned about somebody remarrying, your spouse or your child's spouse. There's all sorts of different types of things that people want to um, uh, cover and we just mm-hmm. never know what what's important. That everybody's individual situation is different, and we just kind of see what's important to that particular person. Great. Well, that's good to know. Um, these are extremely beneficial uh, workshops that everyone should attend, no matter how large or how small your state is, because you can only learn something. And of course, Michael can always answer questions about government assistance too, which uh, he's been doing for decades now. Again, that is Thursday, December the seventeenth at one o'clock. And in order to sign up, go to DallasElderLawyer.com, DallasElder, E-L-D-E-R, Lawyer.com, or you could Google Michael Cohen, C-O-H-E-N, in Dallas, attorney, and it'll come up immediately, and then you can sign up that way. Um, Again, it behooves you to just sit in and listen to Michael's expertise and allows you to ask a question about your individual circumstances for free and get the vision meeting right after that uh, privately, either via Zoom or in person for free. And then um, you can also sign up by dial 214-720-0102, 214-720-0102. Michael, more thoughts and advice on gifting this year. Yeah. Uh, and by the way, I just uh, looked it up while we mm-hmm. were talking mm-hmm. and I saw that uh, the IRS says any our political contributions tax deductible and the IRS is very clear that the answer is no. Okay. Um, Anyway, um, maybe there's some other ways you could do that, but uh, uh, anyway, let's get back to the uh, uh, what people want to know. And again, if you want to go to that next workshop, all you have to do is call that two one four seven two zero zero one zero two telephone number or sign up online at uh, DallasElderLawyer dot com. Okay. As far as an answer to your question, uh, as far as gifting. Uh, not only can you give away up to $15,000 a year uh, per person in the, uh, without the donor being um, taxed, it's the donor, not the one who receives the money. Right. A lot of people get yeah. uh, confused by that. Uh, the, 
the you can give up to the amount that you can give at, at your death during your lifetime. Mm-hmm. Uh, right now, that is eleven million five hundred and eighty thousand or five hundred and eighty thousand dollars, and it's going up mm-hmm. to eleven million seven hundred thousand on January one. Wow. So I'm sure that most people have happened to have an extra eleven million dollars. <laughs> uh, so if you if you fit in that category, there actually are people who really want who do have a larger estate. They're concerned about the estate and gift tax limit being reduced. So they're concerned about going ahead and making gifts now when the when you have this high limit that you could do it uh, without having a gift tax. So mm-hmm. technically. Uh, the difference is if you give away more than 15000 a year, the donor has a duty to report mm. to the IRS. They say, okay, I gave $11,015,000. All right, in year 2020. So that, in other words, in effect, when you die, you have to take away that $11 million from what you could give at your death. So right now, mm. if it was eleven million five eighty, you would have five eighty to le- left, and, of course, that wouldn't be um, – that first 580 wouldn't be taxed. Right. That limit's going to go down uh, to at least uh, 5 million index for inflation in 2026. If not earlier, uh, that could be changing as the president-elect has proposed to have it reduced to 3.5 million. Mm-hmm. So uh, anyway, uh, some people are trying to take advantage of that now. I don't know that it'll ever happen, like you said, because it depends upon the election in Georgia, who wins and who's in charge of uh, the Senate may make a difference on whether some of these things come to fruition or not. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Now, uh, now the one thing that people always get confused by, however, is that even though you can make these large gifts or even gifts, even if it's only up to 15000 they get confused about the gift tax laws versus public benefits laws. Mm-hmm. So for if somebody was uh, gave, let's say they gave to their favorite uh, a one-time gift to church or charity, and four years later, they had a stroke and they didn't have long-term care insurance. Mm. Well, for Medicaid, that's a problem. Mm. So for IRS rules, that's gift tax laws. But for Medicaid, which is means-tested, in other words, where the government will help pay for the cost of care if you have a limited amount of resources. Mm. So the presumption is whether it's Medicaid or veterans' benefits, certain veterans' benefits. Uh, I may have to explain the difference. Uh, but there there could be a transfer penalty, in other words, an anti-fraud type provision that we presume that if you made a gift within five years for Medicaid on many of the programs, then we think you did it on purpose to reduce your assets so we would pay for the cost of care, that is, we being the government. Same thing for veterans' benefits, although it's a three-year look-back period. It should be noted that this gets kind of complicated because it depends on the Medicaid program. There are certain programs that uh, – there's in Texas, there are 109 Medicaid pro- programs. Yeah. So it's not just one Medicaid program. And, of course, there's SSI, which is a federal program as well. And there's certain types of veterans' benefits, which also have their own rules. So each one of these Medicaid programs, we're not going to go through all of them today, um, but I will mention just a couple of them to kind of let, because there are, uh, to show you that there's differences in the different programs. So, uh, for example, if you go into a nursing home 
and they, see, Medicare doesn't pay for the cost of a nursing home. Mm-hmm. Maybe if you have a three-day hospitalization stay, you might get as much as a few months of uh, Medicare coverage if you stop from declining uh, as far as health. However, normally, uh, if you just went into a facility and didn't go into a hospital, there's no Medicare coverage, Medicare coverage at all. So then people a lot of times rely on Medicaid. I was talking, uh, you know, to a financial advisor just on um, on Friday uh, morning, this past Friday morning, and he was saying, oh, the uh, his client was in a facility, the cost was $8,400 a month, and I said, well, let's double-check and make sure that, first of all, the facility even accepts Medicaid. And we were talking about the different rules regarding gifting, and I told him that, you see, that's a more expensive place, by the way, than the average nursing facility in this area. Probably the average is somewhere closer to $6,500 or $7,000 a month for a nursing home. But the problem is, you see, most people don't have $6,500 or $7,000 a month to pay for the cost of care. Mm-hmm. Uh, so in any event, the there's a statewide divisor on what the average cost is, Let's say it's somewhere between it's between 64 and 6500. They have a statewide divisor for long-term care Medicaid, uh, as opposed to a regional. So in Dallas, it might be more expensive than if you go to Muleshoe. Uh, and so the but they use a statewide divisor. So in a way, Dallas and Austin and Houston get penalized because it's more expensive than if you go into a rural area. Interesting. So if you give, so let's say that. Um, that you let's say that the divisor was just for argument's sake five thousand just because it's a simple and easy figure, and you gave away fifty thousand in uh, December of twenty twenty, and then four years later you decided to apply for Medicaid. Well, if the divisor was five thousand and you gave away fifty thousand, that's ten months of ineligibility from the date that you apply mm-hmm. for Medicaid four years from now and are otherwise eligible. Got it. So the gift that you made today when you were perfectly fine, you didn't realize you were going to have that stroke four years later, mm-hmm. but the government's going to presume that you did on purpose to have eligibility for Medicaid. Got it. I need to stop you there, Michael, because we're essentially out of time. There's so much more for you to say, I know. And that, of course, um, allows for the ultimate goal uh, when it comes to, or not the goal, but the problem, and that is um, you can't answer, get every answer, a question answered in a 25- or 30-minute program, but that's why you have those workshops, which are free. Michael's next one is December the 17th. That is a Thursday. Perfect timing. Just before Christmas, just before you get together with the family, you can go ask the expert, someone who does all the heavy lifting in this program, unlike me. I just get to facilitate and ask questions and give my 30 seconds of opinions, and then back to Michael, who has all the knowledge and experience. And attend the workshop, ask questions, and then see your family, either even via Zoom, speaking of workshops, if you're not going to get together with them because of the virus right now. And you can tell them what you've learned as a result of uh, your questions with, uh, with Michael. Sign up today. Go to DallasElderLawyer.com, DallasElderLawyer.com, or dial 214-720-0102. 214-720-0102. Michael Cohen, thank you, sir. Thank you, Don.
A leading estate planner practicing law in Dallas, Texas for decades now, Michael Cohen is ready to educate you about the estate planning laws that can affect your family and you. The first step is to attend his next workshop by going to his website, which is DallasElderLawyer.com. That's DallasElderLawyer.com to sign up for that free estate planning essentials workshop. Or you can also call him by dialing 214-720-0102. That's 214-720-0102. A talk show host on 770-KAAM for six years, Michael Cohen is the person you want to evaluate and complete what could currently be a deficient estate plan. Make sure it is done your way and sign up for his next workshop today 